Welcome back to a subdued episode of DSLR <laughs> Film New Podcast, where we all grieve in the future that we now live in. Uh, welcome to the club, Europe, and us, and everybody else. But on a bright note, we can now wear glasses that allow us to Snapchat our world. That is a wonderful thing. Mitch, before we dive into but they're the not news, prescription. They are not prescription, yes. and I am not wearing prescriptions today, which uh, means I have to get a little closer to the screen. It's uh, going to be weird. Uh, Mitch, what have you been up to in the last two weeks since we missed a show with you? You are weird. Um, uh, well, the good news is uh, next Wednesday I'm getting my hernia repaired. Oh. I bet you didn't know I even had one, did you? I, you stand up fine. I mean... <laughs> Um, let's see. I've been shooting a lot of photos, uh, like I was talking about before. Um, I am, uh, I, I was shipped a new road thing this week, so that's fun to play with. Ooh, is that the, is that the XLR, uh, road link system? This is the, uh, road link news shooter thing. So it connects directly to a microphone like this young lady has. Oh, nice. Um, so it's it's the same as the, I mean it's just a different version of the wireless setup. So if you're into that sort of thing, and I'm trying to find it really quickly as I stall with this conversation, <laughs> there is actually uh, this guy out from Ceremonic, which is interesting. It, it's just hit the market. It is a recorder uh, built into an XLR power uh, source, basically forty. 48 volt phantom power it nice. is a recorder internally and it has a headphone output so if you want to send audio via wireless link via something or directly to the camera you could uh, theoretically do that and it's 124 dollars uh, which is phenomenally priced um, i have one of these on the way to check out and i'll give you guys more information uh, when it shows up but uh Super little sexy device. I think we talked about it on the show a while back, but I was really surprised that it's only $124. Nice. And, uh, you know, a power, a fan of power source, too. You could basically, uh, as opposed to having a field recorder, hang this off of your boom mic, have your headphones on, control it via the front source panel, and you're good to go for pretty much anything. Nice. I'm, 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 I'm excited to check it out. On my end, guys, I've been working with a lot of high-end fiber optics this week, and uh, I won't dive deeply into that, but uh, <laughs> some really cool tech that uh, I've been able to play around with, and I've also got a couple of reviews coming. Now, I've got the new 702 monitor from a Must HD in the nice. shop to play around with, and I've also got uh, the VS5 from Aperture in as well. Both of those are 1920 by 1200 IPS displays and priced accordingly. Very nice little monitors, seven inches. So look forward to both of those reviews as well as some more information on the Ceremonic SRVRM1. Great R -R -R -R. naming, I know. Just yeah. Just rolls rolls right off the tongue. Speaking of audio gear, before you go into the news, uh, did you see our article about the Tascam DR10L? I did, and I did actually see that at uh, the last NAB. Uh, did you? If I remember correctly, though, the fatal flaw for me was that it uh, didn't provide phantom power. Have they have they fixed that? I don't remember whether it has phantom power or not. It's the two downsides I remember about that Tascam device was 
A, uh, no Phantom Power, and B, it's double the price of this uh, Ceremonic. I believe it was two forty nine for the Tascam. No, 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 no. You might be thinking about something else. Ah, okay. Refresh um, me, Mitch. Well, it's it's. Um, I'm gonna. If you're watching the show live, oh, I can't post a link in the chat room. Huh. Well, that sucks. Anyway, if you go to planet5d.com, there's it's. Uh, it's a belt. You remember the uh, little darling that we talked about? Yes, from... yes, that uh, belt pack from Juice Link. Yeah, I mean, this is basically that. This is set up for lav mics. It's not an XLR thing, so you don't need the phantom power. Um, <clears throat> and it just, I mean, it just, you were talking about microphone stuff, and here we go, right here. Uh, so uh, I've I've gotten a lot of good feedback. I had not seen this, but I had a couple of chats with people um, and they're very excited about this. It turns out this has been available actually in Europe for like a year. Really? <clears throat> Excuse me, I have to clear my throat. Sorry. And apparently one of the guys I was talking to said there was some kind of a copyright law problem in the United States, which they've either gotten around or whatever so now this is available in the united states because i'd never i had not heard of it before so the device um, i was actually thinking of when you were uh, rattling off those numbers was this one right here in the corner <laughs> it looks very similar but it's an xlr as opposed to right. a 3.5 millimeter input so right that was my confusion sorry about that uh, no that, no that's okay and and how are you supposed to remember anything with the dr dash 10 they're all drs and they're all uh one zero and then they have the hundred they have the like 10 they have the 10 l they have the 10 g it's it yeah. confusing and i don't know how you distinguish products these days with better names maybe i don't know well, don't use like the, the same little numbers. darling yeah the little at least i remember that one because it right. has a name well, and, and, and I, i'll go back to three-legged thing because i'm a fan of theirs but they name everything like Eric and Tom and Joe. Uh, <laughs> so if you're going to go find something, it's a lot easier to remember than the DR-10L, which is also the DR-10SC or CS or something in Europe. So it's basically the same thing, but different. Anyway, <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the news yet. It's All right. eight minutes into the show. Are you and... ready to actually do some news here? Because... Uh... Uh, yes, I, think we, I think we got some some to talk about. Really? So on oh, okay. on that note, I think it's probably time for the news. Time for the news. Time for the news. All right. First thing on the list here is actually that Snapchat thing I was alluding to earlier. Uh, there's only actually one place you can buy this right now. We did see images of this glass. Uh, show up earlier this year. Finally, it's out. It's a little ridiculous. Um, if you want some large glasses that look like they throw back to the 80s that have a camera built in to shoot some circular video, uh, here's what it looks like. They've finally hit the market, sort of, in a strange vending machine in Venice, California. So if you are out and about in Venice, you're capable of buying some first-person shooter glasses that are capable of uh, capturing about 10 seconds at a time. Strange, odd, weird products. And at $129, I did find this link and I thought I would share it with you guys. You can actually get this right now on Amazon 
for $64, a 1080p camera that hides in your glasses. Uh, I don't know if this one actually has record indicate, which makes it a bit creepy, so don't buy these. But uh, <laughs> seriously, folks, what are you going to do with these glasses? Mitch, are you are you remotely excited about this? And are we missing out as uh, older people on <laughs> this whole uh, glass camera revolution that is hitting the market? Well... You know, you and I both wear glasses all the time, except when you can't find them. Um, so, I don't know. I'm I was I was rel relatively fascinated by one aspect of this, and I don't know. Did you watch some of the videos they showed there? Uh, I watched a skateboarding video, and that weird square circular format was a little strange to me. Well, but if you if you scroll down on that page that you linked, there's another video which interestingly shows that it so for those of you listening the video in raw format that comes out is a circle embedded inside a rectangle or a square obviously uh but if you if you scroll down to the next video dj right here to the dog that one there yes notice that on the phone you can rotate the phone and the video stays level so you can go from uh, portrait to landscape, and hence the circular part of it makes it makes it av available to do that. Now that I found that interesting. Um, that is a very interesting concept. So, what resolution <laughs> is the video on this, Mitch? Do you know? Because I, I didn't look. No. As, uh, I mean, uh, the circular image to be able to fill up an entire phone screen, either they're stretching it or it's capturing something larger than maybe 1080p. Uh, I didn't see any memory card. At, with this either so i think the only way to get your video off of this is via the app which is basically uh streaming it to your phone you know via wi-fi and i understand they want to keep you in the snapchat universe yeah. um i know snapchat's a thing too uh but uh i am not involved in it so i guess i don't know where this fits in their product line i did find it cute and interesting that they uh decided to do a vending machine of all all things and that they only placed one in california but uh i don't know is, is vending machine is that the what really the way to go to announce a product is this false scarcity so that they they can raise prices on ebay for the few people that get their hands on this <laughs> you and your ebay dj ebay dj as soon DJ, as i saw eBay. this i was like man it might be worth it to fly to venice <laughs> grab these glasses and sell four or five pair on eBay for five or $600 a pop because there's got to be a scarcity issue with these guys. <laughs> DJ, you're something else. Um, I don't know. No, I'm not buying them. I'm certainly not paying that kind of a price for them. Did you see in one of those videos there was a long line? Yes, yes. There are people now, standing out waiting for them. Did, did, did was was that just marketing did they just say here's 10 bucks stand in a line so we can record a video <laughs> i don't know i think actually there are a ton of of snapchat users it's it's well, yeah. uh, usurped a bunch of other social medias and uh, if there's only one vendor there's probably a ton of people thinking exactly the same as i i do you know uh, you wouldn't believe it but here in portland people stand in line at the nike store to get 
rare one-off Nikes for three or four hundred dollars, and then they immediately turn around and sell them on eBay for a thousand or two thousand dollars a pop, and, no and people way. are willing. Yeah, that's that's legitimately a thing. They buy three pair, keep one pair, uh, because they can basically pay for the, the the single pair that they want with the sale of one, and then profit off of the other two. It it becomes this weird. Uh, I don't know. And Nike hasn't done anything about it either because if you think about it financially, and this is weird, but Nike is basically leaving money on the table by doing this. Uh, a business, as a person who sells something, you need to find the break-even point where you sell enough, but you don't sell out all the time. And that means you've reached the correct price for your item. But if there's people standing in line waiting for it and trying to get their hands on it and selling it for more, obviously you are leaving money on the table as yeah. a business uh, trying to sell your item. But Nike prefers the hype that's created by this. And obviously, Instagram is also enjoying the, or yeah, I suppose they're Snapchat. Snapchat, not Instagram, is enjoying the hype. Yes, I need my glasses, guys. I really need my glasses. <laughs> um, I, I, I will have to say that I don't think that Nike is stupid. Uh, and, and you're right in that they're building hype for their products because those, there's no way those tennis shoes are worth more than 50 bucks, right? Yeah, I mean, um, material-wise. I mean, and even usage-wise. You can't convince me that a tennis shoe is worth more than 50 bucks. I'm sorry. There's just no tech, super technology in there that makes a tennis shoe worth 400 to to $1,000. Just not there. It's all about marketing. Now, one thing I will say, going back to... Uh, something I posted on Planet 5D. Um, Nike created, and, and apparently somebody told me this is a thing which I didn't know, but when the Cubbies won the World Series, immediately after the World Series was over, they played a, a Nike commercial that was specifically designed for the Cubs. Really? Did you see it? Yeah. I didn't. I, I watched no it, sports. Well... I just found it on Ad Age. Um, it, it's, it's fascinating to me because I don't know how much money they spent, but on Ad Age, if you ever go to adage.com, they talk a lot about commercials and... and <clears throat> sorry, my throat is weird today. Uh, but they showed a list of the people that were involved in the production of this commercial. Now, this commercial was just a kid in a in a baseball park playing solo baseball by himself. So there was one actor, but there were like 30 people involved in the production of this thing. And it turns out that somebody told me that uh, Nike actually produces a commercial for both teams. Oh, really? And so then... they're spending money. And I imagine it cost them, I don't know, $100,000 to produce this commercial. And they produced another one for the Cleveland Indians in case the Cleveland Indians won. And we'll, that will never see the light of day. Uh, that seems like a really good idea, though, because you're immediately relevant as soon as the ad is released. Yeah. That's, that's actually genius, really. And SGS in the chat room says, yeah, they make, team, they make videos for both teams. But, the, I mean, just the marketing costs of that just blows me away. But it's so... But the, but Nike is making enough money that that makes sense and it's cost effective for them. Huh. I yeah. went off on a tangent there. I'm sorry, but 
That is very strange, but uh, and I don't know how we got on the subject of Nike, but uh, great. You said it. Great, uh, great shoes. If you want some fancy ass shoes, go get them. <laughs> uh, moving on to fancy ass things, Mitch. This is a rig for your 360 degree camera slash VR camera. It's the V rig. Why is this important? And I don't know anything about it. <laughs> uh, it's just an interesting thing that I saw. Um, the folks at Matthews are are creating some great products. I talked to them. Uh, at NAB this year at great length. And I, I was very impressed with Matthews uh, and Tyler, uh, the guy that is in the video that shows that he's, he's a really nice guy. But anyway, uh, it was something interesting to me that we posted simply because here's a piece of dedicated gear being created for the virtual reality market. And you and I have talked about the virtual reality market several times. Uh, and I've, I think I even mentioned last week that, or two weeks ago that uh, it's fascinating to me that you hardly ever see the rig. And here's a special specialized rig that's created for virtual reality. It looks like they've put a lot of smarts and intelligence in it, weighting it down, making it really small so that it's, not as visible. I, I especially thought the uh, hood that you can put over the legs is rather cool. So you hide the legs to the video camera, the virtual reality camera. Um, and the other thing that I put in the show notes uh, that I've been thinking about posting to Planet 5D was uh, Adobe Max. Uh, Adobe, who created Premiere, of course, uh, they do their annual conference is called Adobe Max. And DJs jumped into the video, but I've been to the conference because I was a software developer and we had a lot of Adobe products and at the Adobe Max conference, they do sneak previews every year of things that they're working on and they may end up being products or they may not, but you and I have talked about how in the heck you can edit a virtual reality video and this demo that Adobe has is fascinating because they've taken the virtual reality editing concept out of the desktop and they've they virtually put it into a VR headgear that you use with a gaming pad like a Nintendo or something. Uh, they've simplified the interface for something like Premiere to give you a simple timeline to be able to edit as if you were watching the virtual reality because it's it's very important to understand what the customer or the viewer is probably looking at and you want to have some continuity between scenes uh so if you're interested in virtual reality editing have a have a glance at that video because it's it's kind of interesting the way they're they're taking the editing concept one of the things that i i thought was brilliant in this demonstration was the fact that you could choose in your timeline, even though it's a 360 degree video where you can move your head around, where to start and position the person. And one of the things you run into with uh, uh, virtual reality is because the viewer can and look any direction they would like, if they don't start in the direction of the action, 
sometimes you'll hear stuff going on, but you'll be looking around and you won't actually see what right. you're meant to see. You're like staring at a wall behind whatever is, is going on in the actual scene. And the control to actually start you where they want you to look uh, seems pretty nice. As far as editing controls go, though, uh, if you look, and this is a really great picture, but if you see right here uh, these uh, timelines, the timeline itself in the Oculus Rift looks uh, a bit rudimentary. Uh, well, yeah. And probably not it a is. lot of controls there, but it's better it's, than taking uh, the, the glasses on and off a bunch of different right. times to try and figure it right. out. Sorry, Mitch, Maybe. what were you going to say? I'm sorry. I, I'm trying to interrupt you, but I mean, it's basically you're looking at an alpha product. They're just playing with things and and sort of showing you where it could go. So this is obviously not a finalized things, but I think it has to sort of be very rudimentary initially for you to be able to use the headset and have any. I mean, you're not going to put an entire Adobe Premiere timeline concept in front of you while you're editing i don't think but and of course it gets into later on you know what about music do you how, how do you score that and put it i don't know it's it's interesting and i think it's cool that they're working on it is there enough uh, uh 360 degree slash vr content out there to justify something like this or are they thinking that it, hopefully i mean i'm afraid this is going to be the next 3d you know, yeah. uh, 3D was a big thing. Everybody's excited about it. We got to make 3D videos. Everything's got to be 3D. And then pretty soon it's like, well, uh, people aren't really wanting to pay the premium. You know, TVs all have this, but no one really gives a darn. Uh, great. You know, what are we going to do now? And VR in the in the concept of video games is really an excellent uh, way to play and a very cool, immersive experience. But in terms of uh, watching videos, it's a novelty. Uh, I'll give it that. And in some places, it, it can be very interesting if you're in the middle of a crowd at a concert or, or something of that nature. But, man, you go beyond that, and it's it's hard to think of really compelling reasons to have a 360-degree video shot. Uh, and at the same time, if you put it in places where I'd want to be, like maybe the middle of a basketball game, <laughs> your camera's going to be in the freaking way. <laughs> it's not going to be a very uh, good experience for the players. Uh, and these things are too big to strap onto people's heads as well, um, which would also be an interesting way to enjoy a soccer game from the view of, you know, your favorite soccer player right on yep. his forehead. And and maybe at some point we'll come up with a, a, a method for making these cameras so small that that is possible. But for now, Snapchat glasses. Yes. Snapchat glasses <laughs> are the only way to go. You buy that uh, creeper cam for uh, $64 and you can film 1080p all over the place <laughs> for 10 seconds i don't know it's it's different it's cool i'm glad adobe's working on it is there a release time frame for this or is oh, this no, simply an no. experiment no the the sneak peeks that they do are they warn you when you walk in the room that this is this is pie in the sky stuff these are things we're just toying with it may or may not become a product uh imagine if apple did something like that <laughs> um one thing I want to go back before we change topics. Uh, I was fascinated because uh, my wife and I went to see the new Tom Hanks movie called Inferno. Okay. Uh, which has nothing to do with it, but I actually went to the movie theater recently. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, we're sitting there watching a bunch of previews and there's a lot of cool stuff coming out. I was very impressed. A lot of science fiction, which, which is my genre. Um, but 
I'm sitting there watching previews and one of them at the at the end of the trailer says now you know coming in 3D stereo 3D blah 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 and I said to my wife I said that's still a thing <laughs> So there, there there are still and and you walk, we walked out and there's a little bin where you're supposed to put the 3D glasses for one of the other movies so there are still movies being shot and sold uh in 3D and I'm I was kind of shocked. I thought it was so far gone that nobody was watching those anymore. But they're still there, DJ. <laughs> they're still there. It's still a thing. I've seen a few movies, uh, and I've, I've seen a few uh, even indie directors where they didn't shoot in 3D, uh, but they go back yeah. and post and do a 3D process that gives right. you a little bit of depth. Uh, I found that to be mostly annoying and obnoxious. Um, <laughs> the things that were created specifically for 3D are great, but... The issue, too, and I don't know if you've experienced this, Mitch, but if you watch a 3D movie, the first 15 or 20 minutes are like, wow, this is amazing. And then huh. your brain kind of gets used to it, and it stops being amazing probably 20 minutes in. And I, I don't know what the name for that is or if it, I'm the only one that experiences that, but it almost seems like three-dimensional stuff would be better as a short experience than it is as a feature length because after a while it loses its luster uh, a yeah. good example is if you ever watch the movie Coraline they created an intro uh, at the beginning with the the sewing lady she's sewing buttons and the needle comes out and swings around and it's beautiful and then after that they didn't really do anything crazy with the 3d it was just a regular movie and that was fine because you got the wow factor at the beginning and and at the end but you didn't waste your time getting overexposed to 3d throughout the movie uh, is it i don't know i i guess if you guys want to watch 3d movies that's awesome hopefully somebody's making some money on it i want to bring back the old movies the stink vision movies where they had like a, a gross smell come out of the movie theater and the wind <laughs> blow and your chair shake and like an electric shock uh, you know, that's the sort of experience that I, I think <laughs> excites me. Uh, and with that in mind, I'll probably just head over to the MGM studios and watch one of their shaky, weird, moving action <laughs> videos, something like that. Uh, speaking of shaky action, let's talk about the shaky action cam market right now, especially GoPro. And I've actually queued this video up, guys, so you can watch a GoPro drop out of the sky uh we've been getting reported failures as this camera goes and crumbles to the ground the karma is due for return <laughs> and it is not good karma for gopro uh their <laughs> recall is affecting everything that's been out uh, if you have one return it immediately before it falls from the sky uh, i've got the financial report for gopro and it's not doing well we had that fiasco with them not being able to sell directly on amazon a month ago what the heck is going on with gopro mitch um it's they're doing the same thing that the uh, karmas are doing. They're falling out of the sky. The sad thing about it, the other thing that's that's kind of been neglected in there is that they actually said in the press release all 2,500 that have been sold. Oh, whoa. 2,500. That's all <laughs> they have sold uh, or delivered. Maybe they've sold more but not delivered more. Uh, Those are some sad numbers, man. That's a very sad little number. <laughs> uh, oh, so basically, all these other action cameras are eating GoPro's lunch. The uh, Chinese market is moving in quickly to fill in the void. And we are getting companies like DJI that are just stomping on the throat 
of GoPro. And then while GoPro still has the intellectual share of the market, they blunder in with stuff like this, uh, not having a fully baked product that uh, requires a recall is really rough for their financials. Yeah. And I know we're not a financial podcast, but man, if they can't make money, they can't make new products. And uh, that could be spelling the end or at least a different direction for GoPro in the future. This uh, Karma was supposed to be something they could hang their hat on as a, an awesome extreme yeah. action thing. Uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty surprised that uh, it went this this poorly for them. There's so many action cameras and so many drones out there. Uh, you'd almost think they would have just gone to someone else and gotten a platform and then attached a GoPro to it. Am I wrong? <laughs> well, yeah, but I uh, I don't know. I mean, but, that's the easiest way not to fail. Yeah, it's something that works, uh, but. Let's also not forget that there are stories about DJI not being able to deliver very many of the Mavic Pros. Uh, so a lot of people are on back order and they're not exactly happy with the, the delivery times that they're hearing. You think it's an assembly issue or are we in the Chinese New Year now? I don't know. I, to... I don't know. You're more tuned into the Chinese than I am, boy. Well, uh, uh, for those of you who don't know this, um, uh, if you ever have stuff manufactured in Shenzhen or some of the other places that uh, produce in China, you will end up with this uh, issue where if you order something to be produced during the Chinese New Year or before the Chinese New Year and it hits somewhere in there, you basically have a month of non-productivity. Uh, where nothing will get made, and if your product was in the process of being made or even shipped, they'll just leave it where it sits. So if it's outside, you know, it might get rained on, you know, uh, it might get uh, flooded. Any weird thing could happen, and you are just SOL while they <laughs> celebrate. Um, not that they don't deserve some celebration time, and I would love a month off myself, but uh, it, it is an issue for uh, product delivery. So if uh, that's happening during the time that your product is is hitting the market, uh, you may have issues with supply. Speaking nice. of issues, let's talk about this next story here. If you guys are familiar with the GX85 and its bigger brother, the G85, uh, there's been a lot of reports of this camera's image stabilization not living up to the expectations. The G85 has excellent, excellent image stabilization, and that's actually a camera I own. The, or excuse me, the GX85. The G85, which uh, is so close <laughs> that I confused these, uh, has some major issues. There's a video link in the show notes, but basically uh, it's poorly tracking movement left to right, and it's doing the stop and pan and jerk move that uh, is really irritating. Uh, people don't know why the GX85 is well and the G85, which is more expensive, is not. But uh, strangely enough, a Panasonic issued a statement via, of all things, Instagram uh, to let people know that they are working on this and that the problem will be solved soon. Uh, check out the video in the show notes if you're interested in seeing how poorly the G85 is performing, uh, but I wouldn't recommend uh, picking that camera up if you are interested in it until they get this resolved because that is really one of the biggest selling features and if you don't have it, you might as well get a GH4 for about 800 bucks on eBay. Uh, yes, I did say eBay, Mitch. Uh, nice. Image stabilization in general. Uh, Mitch, have you played with any cameras that have it? Uh, is it something you're interested in getting in the future? Um, yes, I 
I'm sorry. No and yes. And I'm just I'm just watching this video for the first time actually. Uh and that's pretty bad. Now I'm confused because I think you said the G eighty five twice. Which one's the really bad one? Okay, G eighty five, which is pictured right here, is the one that is experiencing the problem. The GX85, which is the smaller, more compact version, is the one that is not experiencing the problem. Okay, but this, I'm sorry, this video has the GX80 side by side, and you're saying the 85, so I'm really lost. Okay, so that's even more confusing. <laughs> uh, this is a demonstration with the European version of the exact same camera, oh, okay. and Panasonic has chosen to name the European versions the oh G80 and the GX80 as opposed really? to the 85 because they wanted distinction between the gray market and the United States market to prevent uh, cross sales and to distinguish the cameras that have the 30-minute block for recording video. Uh, I did not know that. Yeah, it gets even more complicated than that because you have all these cameras that have American names and then a slightly different European name. And so when you're looking for reviews or information on the cameras, sometimes it's a European who wrote the article and therefore they are talking about the G80 instead of the G85, which uh, gets even more confusing uh the g80 and the g85 are identical cameras except for the market they're released in and possibly the european 30 minute time restraint so keep that in mind but otherwise the image stabilization has been plaguing both cameras which again are identical <laughs> boys except, except for the number except for the numbers the name and, and the packaging and the amount of time that you can record. Oh, geez. This is, this is weird. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. But thank you for clarifying that because I didn't understand the difference. Panasonic's working on it, guys. Hopefully, they'll come up with something. It would be really, really bad if when the GH5 hits the market, uh, it was to experience the same thing. And yes, I do hope and believe that we will see image stabilization in that camera. I'm going to jump over that and actually talk about the G85 for or G GH5 for a second. Mitch, uh that camera more news has uh, come out uh, looks like we're going to see pricing of about $2,000. Nice. Um that's a good price, but it's the exact same price as the OMD EM1 Mark II, which means that it's not nearly as Attractive is the $1,600 price we've seen in the past. Uh, the Micro Four Thirds, for the longest time, has sort of been a uh, bastion for people looking for lower-priced camera gear that still performs pretty well. But at $2,000, you're basically in the price range of a full-frame camera. Uh, add lenses to that, and there's almost no cost savings. What do you think about that in terms of price, and do you think the features make up the difference, Mitch? Well... Number one, we have not yet seen an official announcement about the GH5. So pure this speculation. Is just pure speculation. Uh, so, hey, look at that sound effect. <laughs> nice. So I, I, I prefer not to speculate. How's that for an answer? There you go. We do know. <laughs> 
<laughs> that the OMD EM1 Mark II is exactly $2,000. People have already been playing around with it. It, it has hit the reviewers. Uh, you can't get your hands on it quite yet, but it will be in the grubby little hands of people soon. Uh, to me, it was a little disappointing. I will spend the $2,000, but I already have a lot of uh, Micro Four Thirds equipment in my collection. I am a little disappointed, and as a new person to cameras in general, it seems like it'd be a little bit hard to sell someone on a $2,000 camera versus just going with a Canon or Nikon camera, especially when you have cameras like the 6D, which are available for as low as $900. Uh, you get that camera that's a full frame camera the image quality is uh is good and full frame i will admit uh is much better than micro four thirds in terms of still images and video yeah. if uh you fall in love with that look you will not get that from a micro four thirds camera that's me don't send the hate because i own both <laughs> full frame uh, dslrs and micro four thirds and they both have their place love both cameras but uh, uh i will admit that i still jones after that full frame look especially from this, the a7s mark ii with the video my god it's beautiful this is a non-hate podcast right we do not bring the hate uh, although no. we will bring the criticism with this next one sony has announced the fs7 mark ii the fs7 original hasn't been out for that long and uh, now they're replacing it only they're not really replacing it per se this is a slight upgrade they've added some ergonomics to this camera changed a few things uh basically they fixed a lot of the complaints that pro users were having with the memory card slot the position of the buttons the button texture the locking mechanism for your lens and various other minor details that will now make the new camera a little bit more pro uh, they've also added what appears to be a pretty decent uh, ND filter to this that uh, can work on the fly. So if you want yeah, that's cool. to uh, basically keep everything the same and have your ND compensate for a light exposure, you can, which is pretty cool moving from room to room or from inside to outside. And I think uh, if I read that correctly, and I'm, I might be misremembering, but 128 stops, is that was that... Does that sound right? Uh, maybe I'm I don't. Wrong. I uh, you might be right. You might be wrong. There was a. I know 128 was in there somewhere, but I don't <laughs> think it was the number of stops. So don't don't quote that. But it is a really cool feature. Uh, the price on this camera is ten thousand uh, dollars, and well out of my budgetary means, uh, unless I wanted to consolidate down to a single camera. Uh, this is not going to be in my budget, but the FS7 expect the price to fall a bit. It's already down to $8,499, and I would suspect by the time this camera hits the market, uh, we'll see pricing probably in the $7,000 range, which in turn will put a little bit of pressure on the FS5, and maybe we'll see some sub $5,000 pricing on that as well. Could be nice. For those of you looking for high-end cameras, uh, Mitch, I know you're not going to buy one of these. Anything to add on this camera? Uh, yes, I, 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 I want everybody who's going to buy one of these to go to my B and H link, please. <laughs> <laughs> or DJ's, or go go to DJ's link. Oh, you don't have a link, do you? Uh, there's one uh, in the show notes. In the show notes, uh, so we can get a little bit of cash out of you if you're if you're if you're in the market to buy one of these. Uh, I do note that they are saying it won't be available until the end of January 2017. So that's three months out. Um, certainly not going to be a good Christmas gift for many people. Yeah. 
Christmas <laughs> gift. If I had that kind Sorry. of uh, parent giving me that kind of gift, I uh, I don't know what uh, I, I, would, I would be in great yeah. great shape. Mitch, are you gonna buy yeah. this for me? Could you could you be my could you be my daddy? Could you buy uh, me this camera? I have two children in college, DJ. The answer is no. All right. Speaking of other unaffordable items, uh, let's talk about the new Teradek announcement. Uh, Teradek announced uh, the Bolt 500. It basically is about the same size as the Bolt 300, which was announced earlier this year. Uh, it has a range of 500 feet, which is very impressive. Uh, no actual word yet on pricing, but I'm expecting this to be at least $3,000 as the Bolt 300 is about $2,400. Dollars, uh, wireless video. That was a thing I was jonesing for for quite some time when I was using external recorders and so on. Not something I'm as excited about now. But uh, if you look <laughs> around, you can find some very decent transmitters from companies like Aperture for around six hundred dollars. Uh, Mitch, wireless video, hot or not? In situations where it's required, yes, absolutely hot. Uh, for 99% of our audience that is a standalone shooter, that's probably not a big deal. Uh, I am also impressed by the folks over at Aperture. Uh, both Teradek and Aperture have been sponsors, so I have to, you know, I have to be fair to both. Uh, the You're showing the uh, their Array Trans from Aperture, which came in a box that I was really surprised to see that box looks a little goofy if you ask me does it uh i know yeah kind of uh, uh, but it, when when i've seen that demoed very impressive and although they said no lag time and there's there's got to be a couple of milliseconds of lag time in that aperture device gotta be there is, I've seen it demonstrated. There is a very, very small, but it's not nearly as noticeable as some of the competition, especially right. in the three to $500 price range. Uh, one thing to note oh, yeah. about the Aperture, and uh, they are not a sponsor of DSLR Film Noob, so I can say whatever I want. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, they do have a problem with the frequency range. Uh, it is a 60 gigahertz signal that they're sending, and because of that, it's mostly line of sight. Uh, if there are any major obstructions such as a wall or multiple walls or a car is in between you and that device, uh, the signal does have an issue with getting through. So keep that in mind uh, for your use case. For me, the reason wireless video was important was when I was wandering around with a Steadicam operator and I wanted to see what they were doing. Uh, right. and that was my main goal or for external recording uh, with one of these uh, devices uh, that uh, basically transmitted very good video. Uh, nowadays, I use uh, you know one of the stabilizer rigs if I need a steady cam, and the camera is right in front of my face. So <laughs> it's kind of eliminated that one. And so are you saying the the market for steady cam operators is down? I, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to dig into that too deeply, but I can tell you that uh, an arm and a vest will set you back used market or new market between about $5,000 and $15,000, depending on the class level and expertise. Uh, then you can go to a $1,000 
class for four days or three days to become a Steadicam operator. Uh, the class may be more expensive depending on where you live, but uh, those things then used to provide you with an easy $30 an hour job where you ran a Steadicam uh, on rental or on uh, full production, whatever way you manage to make your money. Uh, that is becoming harder and harder, especially when a lot of the low-hanging fruit, uh, the mid-level indie projects and small commercial jobs, uh, a lot of times somebody will already own a stabilization system for a small camera. And when you can buy those for, dang, I mean, some of the, even even the mid-range ones are only $1,000 or less. And uh, the bigger stuff is dropped down to the two to $3,000 range. That's way, way cheaper than some of these steady cams. I'm not saying it eliminates steady cam and the steady vest systems, right. uh, but it definitely... Uh, it becomes more attractive budgetarily, and most of the time you wouldn't be able to tell the difference between the video, especially with the four-axis stabilization that's going on in a lot of these rigs now. Well, did you talk about the the new Movi Pro? I did with, not. Uh, Devin, last week. I'm maybe I, no, I don't think I did. Tell me more. You haven't seen the new Movi Pro? I don't. I don't think so. I maybe oh. I have. Uh, is that the one with the? Does it have a spring package that goes with? the three-axis stabilization system? No, this is a totally new deal. If you go to planet5d.com, you can read the article. <laughs> uh, plug, 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 plug. Uh, it's, it's, uh, what was, do you remember there's a, there's a circular rig, somebody in the chat room will probably, I cannot come, I cannot remember the name. There's a, a circular rig that people have been using. For oh, years. you're talking about the fig rig. The fig rig, thank you. Yes. I did uh, so actually see is, that. I'm, this I'm is, sorry. The Mobi Pro is very much like that. Uh, of course, it's more expensive, uh, about 6000 to 10000 I think they're talking price range. Uh, fascinating uh, the, the amount of work that they went through based on the learning that they have had with the original Mobi to be able to remove obstacles, cables, problems that they've learned they had especially the the hot swap battery idea that they've implemented in this so you can use the movie pro all day without having to worry about batteries um so this is this is just another additional thing in the market that i mean and i i have to say i i keep going back to this and and how Maybe I shouldn't be on the podcast, but when when the Movi was first an, uh, announced and it was ten thousand, I think was the yeah. original price on the Movi. I was like, nobody's going to buy that, and look what happened to the market. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I'm not a great pro, pro, prognosticator. Yeah, I did actually see this, Mitch. Um, I remember thinking Fig Rig right away, and then I yeah. didn't really read into it because uh, most movie products are out of my price range anyway. Uh, it, it's still pretty cool, and you're right, ten thousand dollars down to you know five or six thousand dollars, and I'm sure they'll get cheaper as more motors are created, more of these uh, little controller chips, and four and three axis measuring gyroscopic systems are produced. I, I, I think it's a future. I feel bad for a lot of the people that are displaced by uh, technology, but uh, I think the the film industry marches on, and there'll probably be some other cool <laughs> thing. Uh, yep. 
Speaking of yep. cool things, we've got uh, one last thing I wanted to talk about before we get out of here, unless I missed any articles, which I don't think I did, and that is the Yongio lens. This is a lens, I actually did talk about this with Devin, but I wanted to get your input on it, Mitch. It is a 100mm f2 lens, uh, $170, Canon mount, looks suspiciously similar to the Canon 100mm, which is about $330 or more. Yongio has produced a 50mm f1.8, a 35mm f2, and now the 100mm f2. It seems like they're cloning a lot of Canon class. Mitch, uh, what do you think? A good starter kit for a person starting out in photography or video? Yes, absolutely. Uh is it me or are there more lenses, <clears throat> excuse me, being announced recently than ever before? I, you know, even Canon, which is is irritating to me, has been quickly um, way faster than they used to, uh, releasing new versions of lenses uh, left and right. They came out. The, how many sixteen millimeter or sixteen to thirty five millimeters have we seen in the last six years? You know, it's like, really? Come on. I just bought the two, and now you're going to have the three come out to slap myself <laughs> on the forehead. The 24 got refreshed. The 35 got refreshed. Sigma has been coming out with lenses left and right. I, is, is there something going on in the lens technology that's making it easier to produce these uh, fast primes and these zooms? Um, let me go back to what my wife always says. It's all about the money. Ah. And I've, you know, I've said this before. Canon makes more money on lenses than they do on bodies. The reason they make bodies is to sell lenses. And so it makes sense, especially in this day and age where bodies are turning over more often, that if they can convince the average Joe that there's just enough difference between the Mark One and the Mark Two of whatever lens you're talking about, uh, then they're going to sell more. And with the eBay kings like DJ, uh, <laughs> the version ones are going to be available, and people are going to use those like crazy. Uh, and I think, I think also, I would suspect that there is more technology especially uh, gregor just mentioned this in the chat room uh technology is changing and many of the lenses that canon used to make and maybe that they still do and i don't know whether they even talk about this much but a lot of the lenses that are l lenses are handmade or significant portions of them are, are assembled by hand handmade really <clears throat> i don't know i i wouldn't say that the lens grinding is done by hand because that's obviously going to be done better by a machine. Uh, I, but I remember a year or two ago watching a Canon-produced video about how proud they were that they were doing these things by hand, mm -hmm. and that was the assembly process. And so the vendors like Yongo, Yongno, Yongyo, Yongyo uh, are, <clears throat> excuse me, if they're able to do more of this with machines than hands, then of course they're able to lower the prices. And and if the quality is virtually the same, I mean, again, we go back to pixel peeping. And uh, I, when I went to see, for example, uh, at the movies, we went with another couple this past weekend to see uh, The Inferno with Tom Hanks. 
and I keep mentioning it because I can actually remember the name. <laughs> um, we watched it on a 4K projection, and I was specifically spending a lot of time <laughs> looking at the quality of the video and and how it was shot. I mean, I enjoyed the story a lot. Uh, and I asked everybody around the table, I said, well, did you notice if 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 you can think to a movie that you've watched recently that was an older movie, uh, do you notice any difference in the quality of the video specifically, like the details in the actors uh, or the 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 amount of light that you saw? And, and of course, these three people that I was with, my wife and the other couple, uh, they don't. <laughs> They don't notice any difference. You and I, the pixel peepers, are like, "Holy crap! I see, I see this and that, and you know everything else that's different." And I, I enjoyed it a little bit because I enjoyed seeing the higher resolution and and that kind of stuff. But I still went back and went, "Eh, the story is the most important part." So getting back to the lenses, uh, especially the fact that the Chinese manufacturers are are able to uh put together products for less price and if they're virtually the same why not save a little money dj well one of the things i suspect and i could be wrong but i don't think that i am um a lot of the lower price lenses that canon creates are actually done by third-party vendors for canon uh their expensive glass is done in-house definitely um I almost wonder if there's some sort of, uh, you know, hey, we got some leftover parts, guys. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, sell these for cheap. Canon only ordered a thousand, but we made two thousand because no one was looking, and now they are less expensive. Um, uh -huh. I can't swear swear by that, but the fact that the lenses look so similar and they only occupy the lowest priced lens market, Canon. Uh, offers you know the 85 or I mean the 50 millimeter f1.8 is not a profit center for right. canon by any means uh, and i doubt they would spend the money to hand make those and so as a factory owner i could kick out a couple extra thousand every time an order came in and then just slap it with a different brand and i suspect that's what's going on here uh, it, i don't think that's a problem uh, as far as lens creation goes though uh I think there's been a lot of technology advances in the last 10 years. Uh, Sigma especially has shown some of those uh, with their newer lenses. And Canon, uh, as you probably well know, Mitch, uh, some of their lens designs, like the 51.4, they've been sitting on those designs for the last 15 or 20 years, and there hasn't been much of an update. So right. during that time, they have all these refreshes uh, in technology, and Canon can wait and wait and wait and then blow your mind with a whole new line of lenses uh, that have all the coatings and other microscopic details that are put on the glass that uh, they couldn't do 20 years ago. Is that exciting? I don't know. I own all the glass I will probably ever need. And oh. um, I'm also sometimes frustrated at the price of some of these uh, Micro Four Thirds lenses because when you think about it, what are you getting? You're getting a a 50 millimeter lens that's f1.8 or a 45 millimeter lens that's f1.8, and you're paying you know 700 dollars, uh, and then you could go to a Canon lens that's a 50 millimeter f1.8 and get it for far less. Uh, I often think there is some heavy inflation, especially on the <laughs> Olympus side of things, but. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> that is my own personal opinion. Uh, one last thing I did want to mention before we go, Mitch. Uh, um, oh, go okay. ahead. I, I before before we get too far away, I because I don't know what you want want to talk about. I want I do want to mention because we were talking about these the Chinese and how things are are happening. Where anyway, did you see the story that Canon is now going to is offering sensors to other vendors? What? He, Canon rumors reported this uh, just last week that. And and there are specific listings that you can go see, like the 120 uh, megapixel sensor. Canon is is made that available to other vendors if you want to purchase those things. Really? So, I'm I'm wondering if they're not taking the uh, Chinese playbook and going, well, look, we're already making these things. Why not sell them to other vendors if they're willing to buy, buy them? Well, which is I think a very first. Time I've ever heard of Canon selling sensors. One of Sony's most profitable endeavors is a sensor creation. I mean, look at all the uh, cell phones with Sony sensors in them. Look at all the yep. cameras with Sony sensors in them. Even uh, some of the uh, Micro Four Thirds cameras out there are using sensor technology that was designed in cooperation with Sony. Uh, Canon is really missing out on a big market because they do in-house sensor design. Yep. Imagine selling that uh, lovely eight megapixel sensor from the C one hundred through five hundred line of cameras uh, for a reasonable price to your competitors in Japan or China, where they could make a uh, cheaper version that is limited by chipset features. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of <laughs> options there, man. You got me excited thinking about that. Yeah. yeah. Although. As a person who's tested out mini cameras with the same sensor and found issues, remember, guys, uh, there's also a lot of science on the chips that actually gather the information from the sensor. Uh, the E1Z cam uses the exact same sensor as the Panasonic GH4, and those two cameras are nowhere near equal <laughs> in image quality. Different. So yeah. keep that in mind. Uh, it doesn't always mean good things. Speaking of which, while we're on the subject, Mitch, did you see that uh, Yi action or that Yi action cam that was now a uh, not the the Yi Micro Four Thirds, not the action cam that they released recently? I know we talked about it on the show, but now reviews are going up and people are actually getting good pictures out of that thing. Really? Yeah, and well, good. you know what it looks like? I, I was thinking about this the other day. It looks suspiciously like uh, some of the high-end Leica cameras that are out there. <laughs> it's got the same curves, same rounded shape. Huh. Uh, if maybe we could change the label out and sell uh, knockoff <laughs> Gucci-style <laughs> cameras for $2,000 to uh, affluent uh, visitors from other countries. That seems like you a good idea. You are always thinking, aren't you? All right, last thing, and this is what I was about to allude to. I am in the market for a new TV, guys. So uh, if you got some recommendations on OLED panels or something like that, uh, let me know. I'm, I'm strongly considering one of the LG uh, OLED uh, or IPS. I don't, I don't know if it's IPS or OLED, but uh, uh, one of the 50-inch panels for my living room to replace my aging plasma television that I've been holding on to. Plasma? Yeah, so uh, it's interesting, but Panasonic made a really good plasma television in, I believe, 2011 or 2012. It, it's wonderful, great television, great picture 
image is super high contrast, beautiful. Uh, it was highly acclaimed, but there's not enough money in plasma, so they stopped making it. Um, I've been holding on to that TV as a relic for, and, and a relic, it's only five or six years old, so it's not even that old. It, it does a wonderful job, uh, but uh, moving it is a monstrosity. It's very heavy and awkward, okay. and the place I'm trying to mount it on my wall, it's just not going to work. So <laughs> I uh, need to go with something a bit lighter. That can... SJS in the chat room says, Plaza makes a great source of heat. <laughs> yes, it does. It warms the room for you? You uh, keep your hands next to it and uh, <laughs> warm up in the evenings, in the winter. Uh, sorry, I'm not in the chat room, by the way, guys. Uh, no, there's some okay. weird thing going on with YouTube. When I click on the chat room, it just gives me a blank window. So I uh, could not get in there. Sully says uh, LG is good, which is kind of a pun because LG means... Life is good. Life is good. Uh, just make sure it's HDR 4K. Ah. HDR, HDR, he says. I so would... why, why HDR? He hasn't answered me yet. Oh, well, the REC 2020 standards are out, and a lot of movies are going to be showing up in HDR very soon. So you'll How? Get... How? How will they get to you if they're... Are oh, they Blu-ray? Yeah, Blu-ray uh, Blu releases. Uh, also, if you... If you Blue look Ray's into dead, isn't it, well, <coughs> I mean, uh, Netflix as well has HDR offerings. Uh, does but it? Yes, it does. Uh, nice. And I, I think Amazon might be in the market too, but don't quote me on that one. Uh, the thing is that even if it's not in the new standard, the older videos have more dynamic range than most televisions are capable of showing. Uh, I think uh, the average flat screen. Uh, in the past was like six stops or so, right. but uh, recorded in the video is somewhere in the range of seven or eight stops. So just going to that higher dynamic range television will give you more pretties, you know, and the, you'll be able I'm, to see things. I'm sorry. I'm laughing. I don't know if you know that I'm laughing I am. I'm because what do we do? What do we as camera geeks do? We, we bitch about our cameras not having enough, enough dynamic, dynamic range. range. Like yes. 13 to 15 stops is what we really want, like on a red or something. And and most of the monitors and things we're using can display seven, maybe eight, if you're really lucky. Sorry. <laughs> <clears throat> sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, I'm guilty, man. I ask for, you know, when they put the surveys out, what, what would you like to see in a new camera? It's a dynamic range, dynamic range, dynamic range, and low light performance. You know, that's yep. the, the drums I beat. But if you think about that, Mitch, the dynamic range also allows you to uh, excavate some of the darker areas of your shot that you well, otherwise sure. wouldn't be able to save. Sure. So even if you can't see it on the screen, the person has a little more flexibility in post to move that around. Yeah, and, and I, I don't disagree. I understand, but it's, it's also... <laughs> I love the chat room. Spoken like a true Canon user, Mitch says, Sapphire <laughs> 3000. Thanks a lot. All right. Uh, well, the show is devolving. Uh, it's a weird week as we've finished up elections here in the United States. So everybody buck up, cheer up, go be nice to your fellow camera owners Amen. and uh, be nice to everybody around you don't be a be jerk respectful. and uh you know even if uh, you disagree with your local friend family member or uh, crazy uncle uh, treat them nicely and hopefully they'll treat you the same way mitch amen. where can people find amen. you amen 
down in the dumper depression city uh, over at planet5d.com and planetmitch.com and Planet Mitch on all the social media platforms. Please sign up and review the wonderful DSLR Film Noob podcast with Devin and DJ. And thanks. And you can find me, guys, at a slightly more upbeat uh, Pacific Northwestern uh, happy guy because everybody seems to be fairly decent out here uh, at DSLRFilmNoob.com, on Twitter at DSLRFilmNoob. And you can find this podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and anywhere podcasts are distributed. We would love to hear from you. So write in, write comments, leave comments, join the chat room because those guys are great. Solly's always in there rocking that business. And, of course, it's always fun to have you at the show. So we'll see you next time on another episode of DSR Film Noob Podcast. <laughs>